0: Romans chapter 5, verses 3 through 8. And not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance. Perseverance, proven character. And proven character, hope. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. For while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. One will hardly die for a righteous man, Though perhaps for the good man someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that
1: while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Your bulletin has, every Sunday, a place for sermon
0: notes, where you can see at least part of the outline I'm using. And almost every Sunday, you will see there the title of the sermon and the text of the sermon
1: and a question. And today the question is, do you love Jesus? And, well, there's two questions today. Does Jesus love you? I hope the answer to both of those
0: questions is yes. But then I want to ask you another question related to that, which is which of those yes answers are you more confident in? In other words, are you more confident that you love Jesus or that Jesus loves you? Which Which one of those are you more sure of? Maybe you're equally sure, I don't know. And today we're going to talk about our love for Jesus and his love for us. And we're going to see something in John chapter 14 that to me is quite amazing.
1: Because I think we ask the question of God's love.
0: And most of us, if we're Christians at least, most of us would
1: say, God's love is unconditional. That means it doesn't depend on anything from us.
0: And I think we would also say, God's love is perfect. So if I asked you this question, does God already love you as much as possible? What would be your response? Well, I think most of us Christians would say, well, of course he does, yes. And I would say, well, could God love you any more than he already does? you'd have to say, no, he already loves me with the maximum Possible love. And I could ask you, well, how do you know? And you could say, well, Jesus died on the cross for my sins. What could be a greater expression of love than that? Then we're going to see something very, very interesting in this text. The words of Jesus, remember, we're going to see today. So I want to start just by reading it. And maybe you'll spot
1: it while I read it, what I'm talking about. This is John chapter
0: fourteen, and I'm going to read from verse fifteen to verse thirty one. But you will see me, because I live, you you also will live. In that day you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and he will come to him, I'm sorry, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I've spoken to you while I'm still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you, let your let not your hearts be troubled neither let them be afraid you heard me say to you i'm going away and i will come to you if you loved me you would have rejoiced because i am going to the father for the father is greater than i and now i have told you before it takes place so that when it does take place you may believe i will no longer talk much with you for the ruler of this world is coming He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise,
1: let's go from here.
0: In this text, Jesus says kind of the same thing three times. And it's a sort of an if-then statement. If you do this,
1: then I, or God, will do this. Well, except in
0: between there's a if this, then you will this. So, sorry, if you love me, he says in verse 15, if you love me you will keep my commandments. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Then in verse 21, he says kind of the same thing. Whoever has my commandments
1: and keeps them, he's the one who loves me. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he's the one who
0: loves me. It's kind of the same thing. Then in verse 23, he says something, almost the exact same thing again. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. So I think what you're hearing here is people who love Jesus follow Jesus do what he wants done, keep his commandments. And we've talked already a lot about what are those commandments. And we've seen that in this context, the the thing he cited as the new commandment, a new commandment I give to you is that you love one another as I have loved you. And we could go read uh, another spot where someone came to Jesus and said, what's the most important commandment? And Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength. Oh, I left out one. Your soul, heart, soul, mind, and strength. This is the foremost commandment. And the second one is like it. He said, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So there's three. And I think you could read the New Testament and find that those three are like a summary of all the others. That all the other commandments from God you find in the scriptures are a subset of those three. There's commandments about loving God. There's commandments about loving your neighbor. And there's commandments about loving your brother in the body of Christ. Love God, love your neighbor, love one another and jesus uh uh, you know the commandment is love the lord your god with all your heart soul mind and strength all of you all there is to you is to be involved in loving god i once encountered this little bible study and in the middle of this bible study there was a question and the question was posed and then there were two boxes You could check one box or the other. The two boxes, one of them said yes, the other one said no. The question was this, do you love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength? Yes or no?
1: That was a good thing to be confronted with, I have to say.
0: And it makes you notice that that's something we aspire to. Not something we've already arrived at. You could do the same thing with the other two commandments. Do you love your neighbor as well as you love yourself? Uh, I doubt it. You don't even know how well you love yourself. Nobody has to come along and remind you to take care of yourself even if you're not that good at it. Do you love the other disciples the way Christ has loved you? Well, those are the commandments. And Jesus says, look, if you love me, you'll keep my commandment. Oh, I'm noticing something about that. It's kind of like saying, if you love me, you'll love me. Because the first commandment is about that, right? The first commandment is to love God. And and what Jesus says here is, if you love God, you'll love God. And we want to say, well, uh, how is that saying anything? What does he mean? And we're going to see what he means. Because the remarkable thing in this text is, what happens when you love him. He says, if you love me, well, the first thing that happens is you become loving. You keep his commandments. And of course, if you love him, you've already become loving. I wonder how that
1: happened. You'll become loving. And.
0: And. There's always an and. All three times he says this. There's, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments or you'll keep my word. And I will. God will. So what is God's response to our love for Jesus? Well, one of these we've already looked at for a couple of weeks already. So one of these, Jesus says, I will ask the Father and he will send another paraclete. If you love him, he will ask the Father and he will send another paraclete and he, he will be in you. I will come to you. How does Jesus come to us? In the Spirit, the paraclete. The Spirit, he sends the Spirit and in the Spirit's arrival, Christ comes. And he says, you will see me. You will live. You will know that I am in the Father. You are in me and I am in you. And then he says, again, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he's the one who loves me. Now listen to this. And he who loves me will be loved
1: by my Father. So Jesus is promising that if you love God, God will love
0: you. Just think for a second, doesn't God already love you? And isn't his love unconditional, meaning it doesn't depend on anything from you? And isn't it already as much as possible? The answer to all of those questions is yes. Yes, God already loves you. How do you know? Romans 5, 8, in that passage we just read, God God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, before we had any love for him, Christ died for us. Here's the thing. Jesus says if you love me you'll love me And I think oh duh if I love you I already love you Uh-uh if you love me you will come to love me Because here's what will happen <laughs> You will be loved by my father and by me and I he says He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him, and I will manifest myself to him. So God's eternal, unconditional, absolute love for you is also responsive love. Well, that's hard to figure, but that's what this says. What it says is, yeah, God already loved you with all the love there is to love with. And when you return that, he returns it again and more. Except it can't be more. It's already as much, but it's more. It's again. It's another. It's another. How? The manifestation of the person of Jesus to you. Is how? Or the sending of the Spirit of God to abide in you is how? You know, the Spirit of God already abides in you if you've trusted in Christ. And yet we're instructed as
1: those in whom the Spirit abides to be filled with the Spirit. And I think, well, aren't you already filled with the Spirit? I have to say yes. But can you be filled with the Spirit? I have to say yes.
0: It's yes and. God already loves you as much as he possibly can. And when you express your love for him in return, he will express his love for you in return. It it doesn't get any bigger, but you see it again. And he sees too you seeing it. Jesus says, I will manifest myself to you. You will catch a fresh, deeper, newer, better vision of who is Jesus Christ. And the love of God will become fresh and real to you again. It can't be any larger. But there's a relationship going on here. And as I love him, I come to love him because as I love him, I understand his love again because he says it again. And as I understand his love again, I'm moved again. This is why I call this the upward spiral. Maybe your love, when you came in here this morning and I asked you the question, do you love Jesus? Maybe your
1: answer was something like, oh, I hope so. Or, I think I do. But now that
0: you've asked me, I'm challenged and I understand my love for him is weak. And I say to you, good, love him with your weak love. And he will reveal himself to you again and strengthen your love with his You see, God's the only source of this kind of love. It doesn't come from anywhere or anyone else. And if he doesn't provide it, you don't have it. And so if your love is weak, okay, yeah, right. I wouldn't have expected otherwise. And no matter how long you've been involved in this upward spiral, your love, the magnitude of your love, the greatness of your love is not approaching the greatness of his. You're never out loving him. But his love is responsive. It's amazing. He says the third time, uh, if, you, the, if anyone loves me, he'll keep my word. My father will love him. He just said that twice now. And we will come to him and make our home with him. Wow. This reminds me of that text in Revelation, you know, where Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, let him open the door, and I'll come in and we'll fellowship together. And that's an exhortation to believers, by the way. That's not about a person receiving Christ for the first time. It's about a person who's a Christian who's living their life and suddenly Jesus is outside the door. uh, uh, Still here.
1: We receive him and make our home with him. And
0: this is this all goes together when he says you'll know that I'm in the Father and you're in me and I'm in you and there's a there's a wrapping us up into the eternal fellowship of the triune God that is love unbounded you see he says this three times it's like a It's almost like a Hebrew poem. You know, in Hebrew poetry, there's this structure they call parallelism. In other words, if you read the Psalms, you'll notice this, that one line says the thing and the next line says the same thing, only turned a little. And the idea is one explains the other they are like two ways of saying the same thing. And so Jesus is doing that here. He's saying the same thing three times. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And I'll ask the Father and he'll send the Spirit. And then you'll see, you'll know, you'll live. And if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And whoever loves me will be loved by my Father. And I think... That's the same as the sending of, loved by the Father is the receiving of the Spirit. Loved by the, and I will love him, and I will manifest myself. Manifest myself is the same as you'll see me. And you'll know that I'm with you, and you're, you're in me, and I'm in you, and I'm in the Father. And then he says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments, and the Father will love you. And we, the Father and I, will come to you. How will they come to me? In the person of the Spirit, that's how. He's just saying the same thing again in another way. In the person of the Spirit, the Father and the Son come to you. Believer in Christ, the Spirit of God dwells in you. And what does the Spirit of God dwelling in you do? According to that text we read in Romans chapter 5, the love of God is poured out in our hearts through the Spirit He has given us. The Spirit of God is the communication of the love of God. The Spirit Himself is the communication of the love of God. Just as Jesus is the communication of God, the Word, and so the Spirit is the Word. The Spirit is the communication of the Word. The community. When the Spirit comes to me, the Father comes to me, the Son comes to me. They're they're all together in this. So he says, (laughs) we will come to him and make our home with him. Do you know that the Bible says time after time, Christian, Christian, have you not noticed that you, you, are the temple of the Holy Spirit, the dwelling place of God, that God himself has come to reside in you.
1: (laughs) Really? You know, sometimes that doesn't feel
0: like anything, but it's still true it's still true and that is the communication of the love of god the love that was demonstrated on the cross is poured out in the giving of the spirit so we have these parallels you know to send to send another helper to be loved by the father to be loved by the son i will come to you we will come to him we'll abide in you we'll manifest i'll manifest myself to you these are all these all are different ways of saying the same thing. Communication of God to
1: the heart of the Christian. And that's
0: about God loving us, but here in this text, God loving us is in response to our loving him. Right? If you love me, these things will happen. and we'll be in this upward spiral, where we love him, he loves us, we love him, he loves us, we love him, he loves us, we love him, and spinning off of this, is we love other people, we love other people, we love other people. We keep his commandments. It's an upward spiral, we love him, he loves us, we love him, he loves us, we are experiencing more and more in this present life the love of God operating on our souls. And the love of God operating on our souls generates the love of God operating from us to others. And so I would tell you, look, if you're having trouble obeying Christ, keeping his commandments, if you're not that loving of a person toward other people, You should focus on loving God. Because it's in loving God that you grow in love. And then you have a
1: problem. What if you don't love God that much?
0: And we might say to ourselves, like Paul says at the end of Romans 7, who will save us from this desperate condition? Because, you know, you're not that good at loving God. That's the, and the the start of this is if you love Him, He'll love you. But that's not actually the start of this, is it? We all know this. Because we've read it in the text of Scripture in this passage in 1 John chapter 4. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. In other words, what made you loving to to begin with is you were born of God and you know God and that love comes from him first. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. So now I want to say, oh, instead of focusing on you loving God, focus on knowing God. For God is love by this the love of God was manifested in us that God has sent his only begotten son into the world so that we might live through him in this is love not that we loved God but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation the satisfaction for our sins beloved if God so loved us we also ought to love one another No one is seeing God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us. That's another way of saying just what Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments and we'll abide in you. His love is perfected in us if we love one another. Whose love is perfected? Oh, his love is perfected in us if we love one another. In other words, his love has gotten to the place where it is aimed When the love I have from him, I express to another person. That's what perfected means. It doesn't mean it's grown to be the perfect thing of it, what it is. It was already that. No, it means it's completed its mission in me when I express it to someone else.
1: God loves me because God loves me, And also God loves me so that I will love you.
0: And so his love completes when it's shown. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us. That's make our home. We will make our home. Because he has given us of the spirit. And then if I skip a few verses, I come to that famous verse that says this, we love because he first loved us. So we've noticed the spiral, you know, if I love him, he'll love me. So then I'll love him. So he'll love me. Then I will love him. Then. And I am growing in my experience of the love of God. And the spin off of that is I keep his commandments. I love you. I love one another. I love my neighbor as myself. I love him and he loves me and I love him and he loves me. And we grow and grow in this.
1: But where did it begin? Who loved who first? Well, it's right
0: here. He loved me first. So he's, he's the one who starts this engine. He loved me, so I love him, so he loves me, so I love him, so he loves me, so I loved him. And as I love him, I also love you, because I can't love him and not love you. You've read the book of First John, maybe? You know how it keeps saying that? You, you can't go around saying you love God and not love your brother. You, if you say you love God and you don't love your brother, well, we don't believe you.
1: Because the love of God generates the love of your brother. But this is the thing we want to be, we want to see here what Jesus is describing is
0: something you would want to call the ordinary Christian life, which is the life of growing in the experience of the love of God, which is demonstrated by the cross and poured out in our hearts by the presence of the Holy Spirit. And so we come to church every week to remember the love of God and thereby be
1: motivated to express that love. In Ephesians chapter 3, Paul
0: tells the Ephesians, tells the church his desperate prayer for the church. It's like he's saying, "Oh, if only, if only, please God, if only, please God. Here's how he says it. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you, church, Oh, please, God, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints, might be able to comprehend with all the saints what's the breadth and length and height and depth to know the love, to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge. It's like Paul is saying, please, please, God, may the Spirit work in the church, in the body of Christ, in the life of each Christian. Please, God, may the Spirit empower them, strengthen them with power so that they may be able to get it about the love of Christ. You see, the love of Christ is too much for you. You are too weak to get it. <laughs> if the Spirit of God doesn't activate your heart to see it again and more. And that's what Jesus is talking about. When whatever weak thing of love you've got, when you express it in love toward others, God responds And you will see it more and more clearly. And you will be inspired and moved to express it again and more. And Paul is praying for all the church that this is the work of the Holy Spirit. For you to see the love of Christ.
1: And that means imparting you with power. I think, well, why would
0: it take power to grasp love? But it does, because the love of God is too much for you, too big, too strong, too grand. If, if he showed you the whole thing, you would just die. You couldn't take it. It's demonstrated on the cross. How far does that go? You have no idea. And the more you see it, the more you have it, (laughs) and the more you show it. And that is the point. You see, the love of Christ is the prize, the prize, not a prize. If you are caught up into the eternal fellowship of the living God, that is it. That's not for some other thing. That's the thing. And so he says, Paul in Philippians, he says, you know, I used to, to call myself a righteous person. I was a great righteous person. You should have seen me. I was more righteous than anyone. I was the Pharisee of the Pharisees. I obeyed all the commandments of God. No one ever questioned my righteous obedience to the law of God. Good grief. That must have been really tiresome. And not just for Paul, but for everyone around him. You ever been around a righteous person? They're like the most annoying people in the world. And he says, all that righteousness I used to have. Garbage. Garbage. I now despise my own righteousness. I trade it all happily. Here's what he says. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ. I don't care how righteous I was, he says, the thing that is the thing is to know Christ, to experience the love of Christ, to be in fellowship with God in Christ, to experience the indwelling Holy Spirit. Those, that's the thing itself. He says, I've counted all that as, all that self-righteousness as trash, as garbage so that I may gain Christ and may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death in order that I am attained to the right resurrection from the dead. If you ask Paul, what's the thing? The thing is knowing Christ. The thing is what he prayed for the Ephesians that you would somehow be empowered by the very Spirit of God to see the love of God. The love that's demonstrated by the cross and poured out in our hearts by the Spirit. And that's what he's talking about in John chapter 14, this upward spiral life. I've been loved by God, and so I love God. And so God shows his love to me, new and deeper and fresher. and It's as big as it ever was, but he's letting me in. I've been strengthened by the spirit. I can handle it a little better. And so as I love him, he loves me. And so I love him and he loves me. And spinning off of this is,
1: I love you. This is actual
0: life we get distracted by
1: other things this is the thing what what would it be if
0: you know we kept his commandments
1: other than things would be right There's a a concrete
0: there's There's a making of righteousness in human society in this process. It's the side effect but it's the design of God. If he loves me that's me being remade in the likeness of God. And if In that, I love you, that's me bearing the image of God. Oh, that's the plan from the beginning. That's me becoming a full-on human being again, a repaired, restored, reconciled human being. According to God's original plan, let us make man in our likeness according to our image. To be like him and so to show who he is. And that's what Jesus is here for. That's why he's giving this talk and he's saying, look, disciples, I'm going away, but I'm spending the spirit. And even now in the church today, these things are all true. And so we come together. We come to the table of communion. What's that about? That's the communication of the love of Christ demonstrated on the cross. Do this in remembrance of me. That's what it's about entirely. I don't come to this with a ticket that lets me in. I come to this with all my nonsense. I don't know about you, I got plenty of nonsense. I'm a righteousness idiot, and I'm not joking. I'm not good at loving you yet. I can tell I need to be much better. And I don't come having arrived. I come to receive. I come to receive. That's why we have a table with the body and the blood of Christ represented by these elements we come and we receive
1: it and he doesn't say ah, i don't know about you
0: he says if anyone comes to me i'll never turn him down and so when we come to the table as a believer in jesus christ i come to the table and it's like right. He loves me. He loves me. He gave himself for me. That's what I need. Yes. Thank you. Yes. And I receive God's forgiveness and God's justification. And the price is zero because the price was the life of his son. So I invite you, if you uh, put your faith in him, remind yourself, receive these these reminders and say, yes, 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 that's for me, that's for me. I mean, eating this and drinking this doesn't save you. Jesus saves you. Eating this and drinking this is just you going, oh yeah, Jesus saved me, right. I've got to keep that in mind. Isn't it interesting that God, the Lord Jesus put at the heart of a Christian worship service this most simple reminder? He says, you know, I'm going to give you something so that whatever else... Whatever other goofy thing you get caught up in, your silly heads, you'll always have this that just says, look, I gave my body and my blood to pay the penalty for your sin, to reconcile you to the righteous God, so you are free. And we say, oh yeah, right, that's for me. Father, we give you thanks for these things. The word of God, the reminder we have, the reminder we have in these elements
1: of the communion. We thank you for that. Lord, help us to
0: know your love. Strengthen us with power in the inner man, as Paul prayed for us, so that we might begin to comprehend your love for us, so that We will love you
1: and love one another. We thank you for all these things in Jesus name, amen.